So several years ago, my wife Sarah and I were visiting with her grandparents, and uh, it came up in conversation that they had a condo in Cancun, Mexico. We never knew about this. We were like, wow. And they were like, yeah, it's great. Do you guys want to come down and stay for free with us one week? And we were like, um, yes. <laughs> so I was telling a friend of mine about this. I was like, yeah, we get to go down and stay for free. And at the time, he worked for Delta. And so he tells me, he says, well, hey, do you want me to get you to uh, fly on standby, which if you fly that way, uh, you pay almost nothing. It's practically free. Do you, do you want me to see if I can do that? And I said, um, yes. <laughs> so we get on this plane, uh, and it's the, one of the very first direct flights from Nashville to Cancun, so there's hardly anybody on it. And we're on there, and we get up to cruising altitude. The flight attendant comes back and says, well, hey, there's nobody in first class. Do you guys want to come up to first class and stretch out? And we're like, um, yes. <laughs> so, so next thing you know, Sarah and I are stretching out in first class, flying to Cancun, looking at each other, going, how in the world did this happen? And because we had gotten so much stuff for free, we were able to save up all our money just to do stuff. And we did everything there was to do. It was amazing. Just, just go with me. Just escape there with me for a moment. It was amazing. We went to this cove where dolphins were jumping out of the water and doing backflips right in front of us. We, we went to this other area where we put on these like space helmet looking things and went into the bottom of the ocean, like 20 feet under the ocean and walked along the ocean floor. And there was a... Uh, 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 schools of fish and mounds of coral all around us. It was so incredible. We, uh, we went out to uh, Chichen Itza, which was the ancient capital of the Mayan Empire. And you've probably seen the big stepped pyramid. Yeah, I took a picture of Sarah in front of that thing. It looked like a postcard. It was incredible. Probably my favorite thing we did that week was the last day. Um, it was probably also the most terrifying experience of my life. Let me tell you about this. We go out on this island uh, right off the coast of Cancun. It's called Isla Mujeres. It's about five miles long. We get out to this island and we rented some, a moped. And so we're riding on this moped and it felt like a music video. I, Sarah's on my back. I mean, we got the wind in our hair, the, the waves crashing on one side, the sun uh, shining on us on the other side, the smell of salt in the air. I mean, I can smell it right now just talking about it. I mean, it was beautiful. And some locals had told us about this hidden area that the tourists didn't know about where a few years ago a hurricane had come through and sunk the docks. And so all this wildlife had grown up around it, and it was beautiful. And so we were like, yes. So we went there, got in the water, got some snorkeling gear, got in the water, and it was a perfect, perfect ending to our week of paradise. I mean, we were just laying on top of the water, just face down with our snorkel gear, just face down, the sun warm on our backs, every muscle in our bodies relaxed, looking down at 20 feet below us, just the most incredible sea life you had ever seen in your life. And it was in this moment of perfect serenity that I looked up and I noticed probably about 50 feet away was a barracuda. And if you don't know what a barracuda is, just picture an elongated monster from the depths of the dark below with a sharp underbite. And he was just hovering there under the surface of the water, just staring at me like this, just mean mugging. And we made eye contact, and I was like, whoop! You know what I mean? Just ugh, when you see something like that. And I noticed that Sarah hadn't seen him. Now, my wife is so brave and courageous in so many ways, but not necessarily when it comes 
to monsters from below, okay? Like, you have to understand, in our relationship, I'm the one that squishes the spiders, right? <laughs> like, so, so I was like, if Sarah sees this barracuda, she is going to freak out, and she's going to start, Wah! and as soon as that happens, that's when the barracuda's like, oh, you know, comes at you, and I'd have to fight them off, and I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't know if I had it in me to fight a barracuda, okay? I just didn't know if I get squished spiders, yes, barracudas, I don't know, I'm out, see ya, babe. <laughs> you know, like, so as subtly and gently as I could, I just nudged Sarah and just started to paddle back to the shore, right? So we get out, and we're fine, we're safe. We get out, and uh, so Sarah goes, well, hey, why'd you want to get out? I mean, we have more time, and this was great. And my heart was racing, and I'm out of breath, and I'm like, all right, look, I don't mean to alarm you, stay calm, but there was a barracuda in the water with us. Stay calm, we're safe now, it's okay. And she looks at me, and it totally blew me away. She looks at me, and she goes, well, okay, I mean, well, do you want to get back in and swim some more then? And in that moment, like everything that I knew, I was like, who is this person, right? I'm the one that squishes the bugs. Like, how is she braver than I am about this barracuda, right? Like, and, and so, of course, naturally, when she asked me if I wanted to get back in, I, I said, yes, I'm not scared. Are you scared? Let's get back in. And so we got back in the water. But this time, I'm looking out for the guy, right? Like, I'm looking everywhere. And, and I'm looking around. He's nowhere to be seen. After a while, I, okay, maybe he's not coming back. He went off to find Nemo or whatever. I don't know. But as I'm looking around, and the next thing you know, he pops up again. And I'm like, how in the world did he appear? There's nothing around us but ocean. What did he hide behind, you know? Like, but there he was again. He was just mean mugging us again. And my heart's racing. Sarah didn't notice. And finally, I was like, look, I can't take this. I don't care if I'm the cowardly lion. We're getting out. So I did that. I nudged again and we got out and I was like look I just I just can't there's barracuda in the water with us I can't I can't take that and I didn't get closure for years I did not understand why Sarah was so just calm with that until a few years later I was sharing this story with some friends of ours and when I got to the end of it they were all like oh wow and I was like I know right and uh, Sarah goes well I don't see what the big deal is. I mean, it's just a small little thing. I mean, if there's a whole, a whole swarm of them, then yeah, maybe it can hurt you. But if it's just one by itself, it can't hurt you. And I realized that despite my wife being a highly intelligent person, probably the most competent person I know, she was just slightly confused as to what a barracuda was, right? And so I told her, Sarah, all this time, you're thinking of a goldfish, Show them the picture of the goldfish. I brought a picture of the goldfish to show everyone here. Look at that. What is that? I'm not scared of that. That's like an angry goldfish, right? Like, that's like a piranha. Like, it's just like, what, what, why, why would I be scared of that? So you better believe, like, real fast. Like, I Googled real fast, and I pulled up, and I showed her this picture. I said, this is a barracuda. Show them the barracuda. Yes, that was in the water with us. And so immediately, like, the blood drains from her face, and this look of horror comes over, and she goes, that was in the water with us. And I was like, I know, man, yes. <laughs> and she was like, oh. And I was, <laughs> told you so, right? <laughs> All is well. I continued squishing spiders and life went on. But yeah, <laughs> but it was so funny because this whole time, she thought I was talking about something small. But I was talking about something big. And see, I think that's a misunderstanding that a lot of us can have on a lot of times. In our lives, we go through lives and we think about our lives as this small thing. And we have this small perspective in our lives. And we just live day to day and we just look at what's directly in front of our face and we can lose sight of the bigger picture sometimes. 
Then we go to church, and I think sometimes we can do the same thing at church, right? Like somebody gets up here and says some of the things that they said during communion time. We sing the songs that we sing. A, a person gets up here and reads from this book and talks about these things in our life, in the world. And, and, and for some reason, sometimes we're hearing something small. And then we go back to our lives and we live as if it's no big deal. I want to clarify today. I'm not talking about something small. I'm talking about something big. And how can it not be? I mean, look at, look, just look at what we're reading today in Psalm chapter 8. Look, look at this. This is beautiful. In Psalm 8, it says this. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and honor. This is huge stuff. This is wild stuff. I mean, this is crazy. And then when you get to the New Testament and they start talking about Jesus, it gets even crazier. In one of his biographies, the book of John, the very first thing that we learn about Jesus, the very first thing we read about, this is how John opens up in chapter one. It says this, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of a decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Whoa! I mean, can we just pause for a moment and think about that? I mean, maybe you're sitting here and you're like, yeah, yeah, I heard that. No, 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 hold on a second, man. Don't, we can't just say, yeah, I know this stuff. Of course, you've probably heard this before, but wait a second. This stuff is crazy. I mean, this is why when we, when we take a step back and look at what we're really reading here, man, if this stuff is true, this is the biggest thing in the universe. I mean, take a step back and look at what we're reading here. We're talking about an infinite, unfathomable being, far beyond what we could even begin to comprehend. We could only use words like holy and pure and perfect and love. We're talking about a cosmic creator who created all things, who wrote the laws of physics, who, who, who ignited countless stars, who clumped together an unknowable number of planets, who put those together and spun a hundred billion galaxies 
galaxies out into the void. And in one of those galaxies, around one of those stars, on one of those planets, he sparked life. He designed our DNA. He molded us into his image. He created us to be like us. And not only does he notice us, but he knows us and he loves us and he has crowned us with glory but we have decided to turn away from him. We've sinned against that. We've decided we don't want that. We've separated ourselves from our perfect God. We've separated ourselves from the source of life. And so God looks down on this world and he sees our brokenness and sees our hurt and sees our self-inflicted suffering. And he loves us so intensely that he begins this plan to save us, this plan to restore us, that he works throughout all of human history to teach us and to fix us and, he, and, and, and he, it involves him revealing himself to us and then becoming one of us. And he lived here. He walked on this earth. He talked to people. He, he showed us how to live and showed us who he is. And this plan culminated in him taking on our sins and dying on the cross to destroy our sins. And now he offers us his grace, this free gift of complete forgiveness that he offers to everyone so that we can be reunited with him. We can be adopted into his family. We can have this lifelong journey that transforms us, that ends with life after death for eternity. What? Man, that is not something small. If that is true, that is the biggest thing in the universe. Man, we, we can't just gloss over that. We, we can't just be, yeah, 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 I get it. No, 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 hold on a second. We can't just gloss over that. Or when we come to church and, we, and we, I hear people say, man, church is nothing about following the rules. That's what we talk about at church is follow the rules so you can get to heaven, right? Or the Bible is just a book of rules. Really? Rules? That, that's all you see when you read the Bible? That's all you hear at church? Is behavior change? Man, that's missing the most important part here. That'd be like if, if you had a teenage daughter and she came home and she's telling you about her new boyfriend, you know, and she's, oh, tell me about this guy. And she's like, oh, he's so wonderful. He's the quarterback of the football team and he's friends with everyone and he makes straight A's and he sells drugs and he volunteers with the homeless. If you were that parent, you'd be like, wait, 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 hold on a second. Did you just say your boyfriend is a drug dealer? Well, yeah, but it's no big deal. No, that is a big deal. Like, that's the most important part. What you, no, 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 we're not doing that, right? But isn't that what we do sometimes at church? Isn't that what we do sometimes with, with the Bible? We look at Psalm 8 and in John 1 and throughout the Bible. Man, if this stuff is true, it's the biggest thing in the universe. If this is true, there is nothing bigger than this. There's nothing more important than this. There's nothing more amazing than this. When we understand God's might and experience his love and encounter the reality of God through Jesus, it changes you. It changes your worldview, and it changes your life, and it changes how we look at ourselves, and it changes how we look at the world. You can't see things the same way after you accept this reality. You can't see your struggles the same way. You can't see your enemies the same way. You can't see our own plans and my own ambitions the same way. You can't see your life the same way. You can't see your death the same way. If this is true, this changes everything, everything. So is it true? I mean, you've heard this before though, right? Do you believe this stuff? 
You're one of those people that has come up here and said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and my Lord and Savior, and you were baptized in response to that? Because maybe, maybe there's some of us here and we're like, well, I don't know, I, I don't believe. I don't believe, I don't believe that's real. There's people in the world, they just don't believe that's real, right? Like what I just said is just fantasy. Well, I don't believe that's, maybe you're one of them. You know what, I like the, the moral teachings, but I just don't believe in that, that other stuff. Man, I would just challenge you today, and I think that's okay, man, just be honest about that. We can be honest about it. We're not gonna like, you know, burn anybody at the stake. We don't do that anymore, right? <laughs> Christians have gotten over that, right? Well, we can be honest about that, but I would just challenge you to be open to the possibility that maybe the universe is more than just what we can see and measure. Maybe there's more going on here. And just ask questions and seek truth. But be honest about it though, right? Like we gotta be honest about it. We can't sit there and say, well, I'll only believe in God if I agree with what he says. Wait, wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense if I agree with what he says. Like if, if he's God and I disagree with him on something, then I'm wrong and he's right. That has nothing to do with whether or not he exists, right? Like that, if, if he is God, then he's smarter than I am. It's intellectually dishonest to say I, I, I reject the reality of God because I don't like what he has to say or what his followers have to say. No, that has nothing to do with whether or not God exists. I would just challenge you to be open to that possibility. Maybe you're in here and you're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe I believe in some of it. I don't know if I believe in all of that, though. Maybe you grew up in church your whole life, but then you got older, and then you, the, the faith you had in childhood didn't transform to a faith you had in adulthood. Maybe life happened. Maybe things shook what you thought was real, and maybe you're like, well, I don't know. Well, let's be honest about that, too. Man, we can be honest about that. I mean, don't feel like you have to fake it. Don't feel like you have to go through the motions. Man, we don't, we don't need any more of that, right? The church doesn't need more of people who don't really believe in Jesus but feel compelled to go through the motions. We got enough of that already. We don't need it. We can be honest here and just say, look, man, I'm real. I, I, I just don't know. Then I would challenge you and encourage you to, to ask the question, who is Jesus really? Because that's the, that's the main, if that's you right there, that is the one and only question that matters to you. Who is Jesus really? And don't get sidetracked on these other secondary issues like political issues and obscure doctrinal issues. You can deal with all that stuff later. Right now, the most important question is who is Jesus really? And I wish that we could talk about all the reasons why we can, we can trust that Jesus is not just some guy. We can trust that Jesus is who he says he is. But we just don't have enough time today because I only have one sermon I can preach today. But I'll talk to Ethan. I'll come back again. We'll talk about it next time. That'll be part two. But man, there's so many reasons right there. I just wish we could talk about it. But maybe, maybe you're one of those crazy people who actually believes this. You actually believe there's a mighty creator who knows us and loves us and has been revealed through Jesus. And I count myself among you. Man, I believe this. I do wholeheartedly. I believe this. This is reality. It's not just something that makes me feel good. It's not just something I believe because someone told me to believe it. It's not just something I agree with because I don't always agree with Jesus. It's not just something I identify as, like I checked the Christian box on the the paper. No, this is something that I believe is reality. This is the world we live in. So if you're like me, then I ask you, what in the world do we do with that? 
What do we do? This is real? There's a, this is the biggest thing in the universe. What do we do with this? Do we just get together on Sunday and, and we, we sing these songs and we, we do all this stuff and then, then Monday we go to work like it's normal, right? Like it's just a normal Monday. Like it's, it's, it's like we're at work and I can just picture us, you know, standing around with our coworkers getting coffee. And it's like, oh, what'd you do this past weekend, Bob? Oh, well, I went hiking with my family. Oh, that's cool. What'd you do, Steve? Well, I started to believe that the creator of the universe became one of us and died for our sins to save us and gives us eternal life. What about you, Susan? Oh, I caught up on that new Netflix show. Wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> Go back to what Bob says. That's, like, that's, not a, that's not a small thing, man. Like, we can't just gloss over that. We just, do we just sit on that? We just do nothing with that? What am I supposed to do with that? Am I supposed to just hide it? Here's what Jesus said. This is the last thing that Jesus said to his followers. He said this. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. And that word gospel in the original Greek means good news. And when it says preach to all creation, that word all in the original Greek means all. It means all. Preach to all people. Not just church people. Not just people who already agree with you. Not just people that, that, that are nice to you. No, he says, man, preach the good news to everyone. We are surrounded by people every single day. And if we truly have good news, we have to share it. We can't do nothing with this. If we love people, then we have to share it. We can't just hide this. We can't just not say anything. I mean, that'd be like if I had the cure for cancer in my pocket and I went to a hospital and I'm just walking down the hallway where there's cancer patients all over the place. And if I'm just walking through there, what am I supposed to do? Just, I don't say anything? Like I don't at least, you know, what kind of a monster would I be if I didn't offer people the cure for cancer who are suffering from that? Do you know the devastation that that has caused? The, the, the hurt and destruction that that causes? The, the cure for cancer, man, we need that more than anything. Like what kind of a horrible person would I be if I didn't at least offer it to people? If I didn't at least just, hey, let me make you a aware of this. Maybe not everybody wants that, but at least I can just put it on your radar and say, hey, here it is. I mean, what is somebody going to say to that? It's like, oh, I wish you would shut up about that cure for cancer. That's all you talk about is that cure for cancer. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, if I had the cure for cancer, I'd talk about that all the time. And the crazy thing that we're saying today is that what we have is even bigger than that. So what do we do with that? How can I not say anything? God isn't just giving this hope for ourselves. God, is, this is not just some small personal thing. This is a big deal for the whole world. God wants to work through his people to do his kingdom work. That's God's crazy plan, is to bring his good news through his people. I don't know why that's his plan. If I was God, that wouldn't be my plan, but I'm not God. That's his plan, is to bring the news through his people. He is inviting us to be a part of something bigger than just us. He's inviting us to be a part of his family and to be a part of his kingdom, and he's given us a purpose and a mission. And maybe you're sitting here today and you're like, well, I can't, I can't do anything. What should I do, right? Man, I do believe, but pfft, well, I'm going to preach. I remember when I first came to faith. That was, that was what brought me to faith, this, this message. That's why I chose Psalm 8 today. I realized, man, I, I really do believe this. Why am I not doing it? How does this, this means something for my life. That means I live different now, and my priorities are different now. And what I value and what is important to me is different now. 
And I remember saying that to God. God, I really do believe this. What should I do? I mean, what can I do? As long as it's not public speaking. <laughs> because I wasn't good at that, right? I was so nervous. I'm just, I ramble and I shout. I, I guess I still do that. So, I, <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. I had good reasons why I couldn't do why I couldn't do anything with this. And we have our reasons, right? We have good reasons. I'm just not good enough. I'm not a Bible scholar. I don't know enough. We have our good reasons. Everybody's got reasons. Everybody in the Bible has reasons. Oh, no, thank you, God. Abraham, when God calls Abraham and he's calling him to leave his home behind and go into the lands of unknown, and Abraham says, oh, no, no, thank you, God. Uh, I can't do that. I know you have big plans for my descendants and your kingdom and all, but I, I can't do that. No, thank you. The, the way that God responds to this is so powerful. Look at what God says here. In Genesis chapter 15, he says this. He took him outside. So he's in this tent. He's like, he's like here, come here, come here, come here. So he took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Man, we got to remember who we're dealing with here. We got to get out of our small tent and get out of our small life and our small worldview and remember who we're dealing with. Man, we need to stop limiting God and trusting Him. Are our weaknesses too big for God? Are our shortcomings too big for God? If God says you can make disciples, then you better believe you can make disciples. If God says that, that you, the work that you do can save lives and change lives, that's exactly what's going to happen. If God says that he can use your efforts to bring truth and love and justice into the world, then that's exactly what can happen. So what should I do? That's the question, right? What should I do? This recently came up to me in my life. This has, come, this has popped up a few times in my life. Most recently, my wife Sarah and I, we, we were in Cincinnati. We, were, we had a good life in Cincinnati. And we, were, we were just living there. We, our daughters were born, Juliana and Winter, two little girls. Uh, we bought our first house. Sarah's career was really building momentum. We had been in ministry for over a decade. Uh, we were part of this great church. Uh, the ministry was growing well, was, was doing well. Um, everything was going great. But we have always had a special heart for people far from God who are taking their very first steps in faith. And it just began weighing on us that more and more people far from God were not taking those first steps in faith. And, and people our age and younger were falling away from faith. And, and, and we had seen kids in youth groups um, from other ministries and ours too of, of where they just graduate to adulthood and they leave the church and they leave their faith and this began weighing on us and we said you know what what should we do if this is this, this is bothering us then what should we do what should we so we took a year we took a year to, to, to pray about that to fast to, to talk about it to think about it to seek godly guidance and during that year we learned a few things like there's a few things that happened to us because God I mean you ask that question and God will answer it we learned that the most effective way of reaching people far from God is by starting new churches. And we're the people who have a special heart for people far from God. What am I supposed to do with that knowledge? During that time, my church asked me if I wanted to go to a conference in Orlando. And I didn't know what the conference was. I didn't care what it was. They said Orlando, and I said, yes, I'll go. <laughs> and so they sent me down to this conference. It turned out to be a church planting conference 
where I learned a lot about church planting. I met with church planters and I heard about what they were doing and what God was doing in their ministries. And, and man, there was something resonating with me. There was something there. Meanwhile, in our hometown in Nashville, we see what's going on in that city. We see how that city was, was, was changing and growing. We saw it from our friends and family. And then we started reading about it in the news, how recently Nashville's become one of the fastest growing cities in America. It's grown by over 100 people every single day. Over the next 10 years, they're expecting a million new people. Like it's supposed to grow by a million people. (laughs) That just blows me away. And most of these people are coming from San Francisco. They're coming from Los Angeles. They're coming from Chicago. This, This is the actual stats and figures. They're coming from places where they have no church background. They have no understanding of Jesus. And then they leave their friends and family behind and move here for their job. And then they don't have anybody. And we're like, well, what do we do with that? I mean, we felt called to go there and start a new church for people who, who didn't have a church, but we didn't want to do that. We had good reasons not to do that. I can't do that. No, thank you. I'm going to quit our jobs and leave our steady paychecks, and we'd have to fundraise every dollar and live like missionaries. We'd step into the unknown and not know if anybody's going to come alongside us and work what, this, and this. We didn't know what was going to happen. We felt that calling, but we didn't want to, so we contacted this church planting organization. They're like this organization called Stadia. They're like the experts of church planting. And we said, we said, hey, man, we're going to be honest with you guys, and if you tell us we're not cut out for this, then we can have peace about it, we can forget about it, and move on with our lives. And we went through this months-long assessment process, super thorough, super in-depth, and by the end of that, not only did we not get a no, but it was the most affirming experience of our lives. We got to this point where we're like, man, I, we can't ignore that. So in January, we both quit our jobs and sold our house and moved to Nashville. And we're just living faithfully terrified every day, trusting that God is big enough to do what he's called us to do. So what do you do? If you believe this, if this is true, it's the biggest thing in the universe. So what do you do? Maybe for you, it's your kids. Maybe it's saying, man, this is, this is the biggest thing in the universe. I want to make sure that my kids know this and value this and understand this and receive this. Maybe it's having a Bible study before school starts. Maybe it's having an intentional conversations at dinner time. Maybe it's making sure your kids come to church on Sundays even when they don't want to because we make them go to school, because we value the education. And if this is true, it's the biggest thing in the universe. This is a big deal. We should value it and make sure our kids are here to hear. Maybe we need to do that. Maybe it's uh, being a part of what your church is doing here, man. This church is awesome. Can we just be honest for a moment here? Not every church is awesome. Okay, we'll just be, we can just be honest. Okay, I'm not naming names. Not, not every church is awesome. But this is an awesome church. There are so many great people here doing great things. The kingdom is happening here, and maybe you need to be an active part of that. Not just attending, although I'm so glad you're here, but saying, man, what can I do? Maybe it's talking to Ethan or talking to someone else on staff saying, what can I do? How can I be a part of this? How can I serve? How can I be a part of this? Maybe it's actively looking for opportunities to have conversations with your neighbors with your coworkers, with your friends, with anyone in your bubble. And I don't mean, I mean like looking for God to open the door. I don't mean like kicking the door down and busting in like the SWAT team. We don't have to force a conversation, but man, we, we can, people will want to talk to us about these things. I mean, seriously, I think we'd be surprised how many people are hungry for something bigger in life. Maybe that is just being, in, maybe it's just inviting someone to a place where they can meet Jesus for themselves. 
Maybe it's just that. Maybe it's trusting that God is big enough that he can help you overcome that sin or overcome that habit or overcome that addiction that you've been struggling with. Maybe it's pursuing a faith and a relationship with our creator and committing to being here on Sundays. Maybe it's carving out time in your busy life for prayer because this is a big deal. Maybe it's stepping out there and joining a group because we need to be surrounded by others to, to, to push us forward. Maybe it's financially supporting the Nashville Project. I don't know. Maybe that's everyone. Just something to think about. I'm just putting that out there, right? <laughs> but in all seriousness, you know, maybe it's something crazy like moving to Nashville and being a part of this with us. Maybe it is. Man, I, I want to encourage you, as you're going through your busy week, to remember what huge truth that we have here, and, and to live in response, with, to have a bigger perspective, and to always be asking, what should I do with that? And then when God opens that door, have the courage to walk through it, because this is not something small. This is something big. So let's, let's pray. God, thank you so much for your grace. Thank, just, this is, th that you would even hear us right now, that you would even pay attention to us right now is mind-blowing. Lord, thank you for, for, value, for giving us value. Thank you for loving us. You don't have to love us. You don't have to do anything with us, but you love us. Thank you for that. Lord, help us to, to hold that. Help us to embrace that. Help us to live every day in response to that. Lord, empower us to share your good news, to bring love into the world, to bring truth into the world. Help us to bring justice and hope into the world. Lord, empower us. Reveal to us. Open that door of what we should do. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.